Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. I never thought this this question, how would one lose a tortoise? It's a good question. I mean, how did they not think that was going to get over? We love watching the fat man dance. Oh my fucking god, he's Kamehameha waving the bats. He's not doing a good job with pulling the pictures at the right time. Well, you're an idiot, dude. Shut the fuck up. Well then, in one, two, three. Greetings, hello, salutations, guten tag, or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad. Coming to you once again from my living room here in the cave. And I am joined by the co-host with the mostest, the big baby daddy diesel, and another year older at this point. It's my co-host. I already said his name. It's Diesel. Uh thank you, Dadalach. And yeah, it's we're in that weird time frame of the year where the earth is off its axis because we're the same age for four days. Yeah. So yeah. So if anything happens out of the ordinary, that is why. So yeah. usually the 16th through the 19th, it gets a little weird. Yeah. So, you know, don't make any crazy life decisions these next few days. I mean, it'll already be, you know, only one day left by the time you listen to this, probably, but just, you know, keep it straight. Don't worry about it. Don't do anything crazy that we wouldn't do, but you know, we're crazy. So I don't know. I don't, I'm kind of all over the place today already, folks. So we're just going to roll with it and we're going to keep on going right into the first segment, which is of course, hashtag TRT, which means it is top rope topics time and boys, girls, or however else you identify, it is still G1 season, though we are quickly approaching the end, and it is time to cover the last few nights of block action and the semifinals. As at time of recording, the finals will happen tomorrow. By the time you listen to this podcast, the finals will have already happened, but we'll cover that next week. So just bear with us, folks. You ready, Diesel? I'm... Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the confidence. Uh, you know, just as the G1 is a, you know, a marathon for all of these competitors, it's also been a marathon for Diesel and I, where both being fresh fathers and the first time with young children, trying to make sure you are caught up on all of this pro wrestling action, plus everything else in your life. It ain't easy, folks. So we're both a little tired and though this G1's been great, I am glad we are at the finish line. But we kick off where we left off with night 16 of G1 action. And when was this from, Diesel? August 13th, 2022. Yes. And I think this is our last night of five-man action. And I think there's actually six matches on this night's action. No, there's only five. There's only five. All right, whatever. But you are correct with the last night of five men. Yeah, these last few nights of action all have different numbers of matches. But our first match came to us from C-Block. And this was Aaron Hanare 
taking on Kenta. This match was really slow paced, I thought, and kind of, I don't know, odd choice to open the like G1 action. It was, it was, it was fine. Like Kenta worked over the entire body and just like pinpoint one area, but I don't know. There was a, a cool spot where uh, Hernara had Kenta in the full Nelson and he used the referee as leverage and pulled the referee down to, or like, yeah, like basically took his legs and like did a waist lock to yep. break out of the full Nelson. I mean, it, it was a fine match. I didn't really have like much to say about it. I mean, it was cool. Yeah, this is once again kind of just the story of Hanare's G1. He was in control for lots of periods of this match, though Kent is also a great striker, so right away he did target the leg at first to try and limit the ability of Hanare to strike, but Hanare came back into it. He had a really bad, and I don't mean this bad as in a good way, I mean bad as in bad uh, berserker bomb during this match, which the commentary tried to cover up with that Kenta tried to counter it, but just, I think it was so fucking hot, and he was just, you know, Kenta was probably slippery, and probably lost his grip as he was spinning him around, so it looks real off. I had that one. Kenta, of course, I didn't really know, and I guess I just missed it, that he calls his DDT the dream killer, and the draping DDT, and I really want to know if it's a, you know, slight at Randy Orton or not. Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, he could have been doing that move just as long as Randy Orton's been doing that move. So maybe he thinks he's the inventor of it. Who knows? I mean, Kent is the inventor of every move, basically, it I mean, seems like. And everybody much, yeah. has stolen all of their moveset from Kenta at some point. Uh, but yeah, uh, Streets of Rage was countered. Uh, can't lock in the game over at first, so he switches over to a triangle. That's what Kenta does. He ends up getting powerbomb for his troubles. But... Kenta then counters again and does lock in the game over. Hanare is forced to submit, bringing Kenta two points, going to four. Hanare staying at two. Match lasted 12 minutes and 35 seconds. I gave it a solid three stars. I gave it 2.75 stars. And the question begs to be asked, what uh, submission move with the name game over is better would it be Kenta's version, which is basically the Gargano escape, or would it be Miro's version, which is the Steiner recliner? I've always thought that the Steiner recliner doesn't actually look like it hurts as much. Like it, it looks like it hurts, but like that Gargano escape over though. Yeah, I don't know. That Gargano escape looks like it's worse. It does look like it's worse, but like I don't know. Sometimes Miro will fold those people over, and it's like, oh no, thank yeah. you, but. Yeah, the real bendy individuals say, make it look real painful. But I would say that uh, a cross face does look like it hurts more. Yeah. It affects uh, your breathing more, I think. Oh, for sure. It's, yeah, nasty. Okay, though, on to the next match of night 16. This was from A Block, the Monsters Block. And this was Jeff Cobb taking on Toriano. Yeah, right away on commentary, they said that uh, Jeff Cobb said he was going to be Funny Cobb tonight, and he was. He entered, like, did Yano's entrance with the DVD and the T-shirt and the Hawaiian shirt. It was spot on. Like, even sounded like Yano when he was yelling at the ring announcer. It It was really, really good. And then Yano 
his music playing and just come playing and playing. And it was a long time. So finally they're like, yeah, we'll just start counting them out. And then, yeah, he got to, I think about like 14 and then Yano slips in the back of the ring and rolls up uh, Jeff Cobb. And I thought that was going to be like a really quick finish. I'm like, that's stupid. But no, I had a little bit of a match and it was a comedy match. And I actually, I enjoyed a lot of it. I liked uh, how Yano put, Jeff Cobb's arms inside his singlet, and it was like Paradise Lock 2.0. I don't know. I, I really popped when uh, he, the ref was helping him get his arms out, and Kevin Kelly just yells, I thought it was exploding when his arms popped out. I don't know. It just made me laugh. Uh, I don't know. I thought the finish was fun, too. Put the shirt over Yano's head, gave him a super kick, Yano bounced off the ropes into the Tour of the Islands, and you got a winner, Jeff Cobb. Yeah, once again, as I've done this whole tournament, my Yano match notes are always short and sweet. Three lines. This one is Jeff Cobb comes out as Yano. Awesome. Second line is Yano sneaks in like a fuck, almost wins it right away. And then shenanigans, shenanigans, tour of the islands, bingo, bango, Cobby wins. Jeff Cobb gets two points, goes to six. Yano stays at two points, eliminated already. This match went four minutes and 28 seconds. I gave it two stars. I loved this match, but the quality of the match was not, like, to wrestling standard, was not good. So I also only gave it two stars because it wasn't a great wrestled match, but I was thoroughly entertained. I was thoroughly nonplussed by it, and I didn't feel angry, and I didn't feel happy. So, two stars. Hey, that's a good that's a good level for a Toriano match with me at this stage of my life. Usually, it's anger. I don't know. You you ranked a Toriano match fairly high when he faced Okada. Yeah, but that was different Toriano. It was the same. same same guy, but different personality. Okay, whatever. Yeah, it, not... it destroys your average. It does. It really does with the Toriano match. There's a couple other things that happen to I can't I'm gonna I haven't done it this week. I'm gonna do it next week for our final G one coverage when I tally all the stars and we can talk about it then. But there is Zack Saber Jr.'s average is gonna be wrecked by having two of his matches where he doesn't get any stars at all. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next match. Moving on to the next match because ZSJ isn't even on this card. <laughs> and so <laughs> night 16 continues. We go to D block. And this was Takahashi taking on Shingo Takagi, a.k.a. Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo pimp. The D block, in my opinion, was the most interesting block because all the way until the final night, of block action and we'll get there it was wide open anybody could have won it still so that that's really cool so every match even with Yujiro he's it's still you were like glued to the screen because you knew that there's potential for these tiebreakers and I wanted to know what happened if there was a tie but we didn't get to find out spoilers but anyways uh this match this match was actually really good Yujiro had control throughout, like, the entire match. I mean, yeah, Show was definitely helping with that. Uh, but Shingo could never gain the upper hand because it was a handicap match. It was two-on-one. 
there was the spot where Shingo almost got counted out because he had the same thing as uh, who was it? Was was it Juice that got counted out when Dick Kenta. Togo? Uh, Kenta, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Dick Togo was under the ring and grabbed his feet, and Shingo just got in the ring at twenty. Um, there was the spot where uh, the chair was brought in, and Shingo chopped Yujiro right through the chair. That was pretty awesome. I mean, this match, like, I, I thought told a pretty good story with it being, like, a handicap match, and the good guy prevailed. So, I liked this match. Yeah, once again, I think Huge is one of my absolute standouts of this tournament. I always knew that he, he could probably wrestle, but this G1... And being in the D block, which they had the commentators with this whole chaos, like rooting for chaos was also one of the best things where they're just like, we want everyone to tie. We don't even care who wins anymore. We just want to make sure everyone has six points. And then New Japan has to figure this out. <clears throat> and David Finley was on commentary this night. He's like, no, yeah. no, I want to win. <laughs> I didn't really like David Finley on commentary. I I didn't either, yeah. but I mean, that was the only thing that he brought to the table was using the D-block. Yeah, I really thought I would enjoy him on commentary, and I was kind of bored by him uh, most of the night. Yeah, I wish that we would have got another like uh, night with Tom Lawler. Um, I did enjoy the other nights, though, with uh, Chase Owens. That was a good one. Yeah, I, I thought this match, though, yeah, as you said, was really good. You brought up most of the great spots. I really loved the end. Uh, the ref gets taken out, so Huge goes and gets another chair. Uh, hits a big reverse DDT and a big chair shot, but Shingo kicks out, much to the happiness of Kevin Kelly and everyone. And then Shingo literally clotheslined the chair through Yujiro's face before then also taking out uh, show real quick. And then a last of the dragon and one, two, three matches over. You mean made in Japan? Made in Japan. I think it said last of the dragon on uh, newjapan.com, but I thought it was made in Japan as well. I yeah, wrote no, it down no, no. in my notes. Because yeah, I wrote it down as made in Japan from my notes because of Kevin Kelly. I mean, maybe there's like something's lost in translation. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. There's two separate moves. And I, I was like looking down at Cooper just as the move happened. So it's I don't definitely made in Japan. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, Shingo goes to six points. Once again, keeping the chaos theory alive. Huge stays at six points. Match went 15 minutes and 24 seconds. I gave it 3.25 stars. I gave it 3.5 stars. And to this point, if you like, you add our star rankings together, we equal the same amount of star ratings. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's see if uh, that continues with the final match of Night 16, our main it's event. the penultimate match of Night 16. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. Man, I really can't count. I told you, folks, I'm a little off today. I don't, I don't know what's up. I just, just am. All right. Uh, we go next to Yoshihashi taking on William Osprey from D-Block. So this fucking match, I loved this match it was will osprey like dominating yoshihashi attacking his shoulder but yoshihashi like never say said die he would like kick out of everything and then he'd fire up and like go toe-to-toe with osprey and then osprey is like 
what the fuck do I have to do to like end this fucking match? And like, it just went like balls to the wall. Like, like if you've been listening, like this whole G1 coverage, like you can see how much more I like Yoshihashi than I did at the beginning, because I feel like he might've been the best wrestler in the tournament, uh, at least for somebody that I wasn't excited to see. You know, like, I I feel like throughout this tournament, Yoshiashi won me over. And this match is the highest rated match I have of the entire tournament. I loved it that much. I wow. love the story how, like, it almost felt like Yoshihashi was going to upset Will Ospreay. Like, they were planting the seed, but uh didn't go that way because we got a Chelsea's grin and a hidden blade, and Will Ospreay took the win. Yeah, uh, once again, I, I like how you described this match. I thought one of the best things is Yoshihashi's, Yoshihashi's chop just being put over so heavily throughout this whole tournament. And right away, he blasted Osprey with one, and Osprey's white chest immediately went to pure beat red in one hit. And I was like, damn, this is going to be a hard-hitting affair. And then they did. It was just pedal to the metal. Osprey the whole time focused on the shoulder, not letting up at all, and just having a straight target on it. Had a lot of big moves from Will Osprey, a couple big phenomenal forearms, uh, one springboard, one just from the top of the rope, then to the back of the neck um, with that one, and then into a Falcon Arrow for a close two count. And his Falcon Arrow was a little bit different than like everyone else's, where he had him up there for a second, and then he just kind of tossed him down and just guided him instead of like full on leading him. I don't know if that makes sense. If you watch pro wrestling to you, it makes sense to you. But yeah. if you happen to not be the biggest pro wrestling fan, that meant nothing. Uh, we had a lot of blocks of the Oz cutter and karma in interesting ways. Uh, Yoshihashi just basically chopping Osprey out of the air with one of them. Osprey countering karma into a big stunner, which then did lead to the finish. One of the nastiest hidden blades that Osprey has decked out this tournament. Hidden blades, a great move. And once again, I'll bring it up again. I brought it up multiple times during this G1 coverage, but I don't care. I just, I love it. I love the fact that everyone in New Japan has like five finishers. I hate in WWE that everyone just has one move. And so then you have to just, you know, kick out of finishers constantly. In New Japan, you never know what move is going to finish the match. So anything could be a kick out. And also sometimes they just hit a move once and it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have those protected moves sometimes that they won't do every time. They'll win it with other moves. Because, yeah, last break and win it with the Oz Cutter. Like, he doesn't have to hit the hidden blade. Like, he has a Stormbreaker or, as well. Yeah, and the Stormbreaker only pulls out when he needs it. Yeah. And we'll talk about that one as well later, too. We will. Anyways. Uh, he did attempt to break out the Stormbreaker in this match, but Yoshi he did. It. He did. Yeah. But he, like, like I said, Yoshihashi like wouldn't lose like he had that spot where he hit karma and it was like 2.99 like i really thought yoshihashi was gonna upset will osprey and if he would have i probably would have given this match five stars but i have it at 4.75 stars highest rated match of the entire tournament for me i have this match rated as high as i've rated any match in this tournament so far i didn't think it was better than any match in this tournament but i thought it was as good as all of the best matches in this tournament so i once again gave it 4.25 stars yeah i haven't went over 4.25 until now 
And I, I really liked this match. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. And yeah, Yoshihashi, shout out to you, Brett. You know, I talked a lot of shit about the headhunter over many moons. You know, I guess I was wrong. And I will admit that because I'm a bigger man on that. So, you know what? Fuck it. Go Yoshihashi, you wild son of a bitch. Main event time now, finally, of night 16. And this came to us from B Block. And this was another banger of a match, I really thought. And this was Tai Chi taking on the catalyst himself, Jay White. I mean, this one is on you because I was exhausted after that last match. I didn't take any notes. Uh, this match, once again, just starts out with the general Jay White shenanigans where no one will say too sweet with him because the crowds aren't allowed to say anything. But it just seriously, he just loves harping on it constantly, just yelling for anyone. And then Tai Chi wouldn't do it either. Uh, right away in the match, it looked like we were going to have a sumo off. But then, of course, Jay White's smarter than that. You can't beat Tai Chi at sumo. So he then went straight to the eyes. Uh, shenanigans into Jay White using a top rope as a weapon and then begins the assault on the outside of the ring. Uh, Jay White really wanted Mio to shut up, so he started strangling uh, <laughs> uh, Tai Chi with everything from the ropes to the ring apron to a bullet club towel, which then he draped over his shoulders as Red Shoes came back into the ring. And he's like, what? I was just toweling off. And then Red Shoes took it from him and Jay laughed about it. Jay's, once again, in-ring tactics of being a douchebag, absolutely hilarious, and they bring me great joy every single match. Uh, Big Kamigiri to get Tai Chi back into it, and this is my idiocy and the fact I don't speak Japanese or anything, but this is the first time I learned that Kamigiri just means uh, head kick or big kick. I think he said big kick, and that's, uh, that's all it means. Yeah, I, I missed that, actually. So thanks for informing me next. I did not know that. No. Uh, big hook kick uh, and Tai Chi finally fully in control. Goes uh, for the thing, but uh, Jay blocks it. Jay, <laughs> he was uh, going to go for the big buzzsaw kick, but Jay just fell prone on the ring to block that, which is a great strategy. Like, he can't kick you in the head if you're just laying on the ground. And it really seems to piss Tai Chi off, and that's a great spot of it. Uh, Jay hits the DB or DVB, or Death Valley Bomb, followed by a running elbow and a blade buster for a close two. Complete shot into the German, into a Uranagi for another two. This is just like the start of just big move after big move after big move. This match started kind of slow, but then once it started to get going, it was just spot after spot after spot, and neither man could hold the other one down. And Jay was clearly getting frustrated in this match as Tai Chi was throwing everything he had at him, and Jay was really taking a beating throughout this whole contest. Yeah, like they were exhausted at the end of this match. Like they like both of them took beatings in this match, but they I don't know. Tai Chi is like Yoshihashi for me, where somebody that I wasn't a big fan of before, but throughout this tournament, like he's like performed really well. And part of me was rooting for Tai Chi in this match just to make it a little more interesting, but it didn't happen like JY, like you said, when he was like laying on the ground so he couldn't kick him in the head, that wasn't just strategy. That was like, dude, I am tired. 
Like, so at the end, he hit that. Like, he couldn't even get up to hit a Blade Runner. He had to, like, lock in, the set up the move while they're laying on the mat and, like, pull himself up on the ropes to get up, then hit the Blade Runner to beat uh, Tai Chi. So, like, Tai Chi, like, used up every ounce of Jay White to, like, but just couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, no, and Jay White had to resort to shenanigans or dirty tactics earlier in the match as as uh, Jay was getting his ass kicked after a big enziguri. Tai Chi went with the pants rip and was about to go for the buzzsaw kick when Gato abducted Miho and distracted him and then literally dragged Miho up the ramp and then was, like, holding her by the hair for a portion of this match before Tai Chi had to go out and chase off Gato. Eventually, double axe bomber on both Gato and Jay White. And this is the point where I thought that, yeah, we might really have Tai Chi win this. He Tai Chi hits a clutch for 2.99, hits the Yokozuna strike, which is actually a really sweet elbow strike. I didn't realize he hadn't hit it on anyone during this tournament so far. Everyone's avoided it, but blasts Jay White with it. Neo's losing it. Crowd's losing it. Literally was a 2.99. Really thought the match was over. Then we did have the counter of the Black Mephisto into a Blade Runner. Can't make the cover. Then we have, as Diesel expertly described it, him basically dragging both his dead corpse and Tai Chi's dead corpse up by the ropes and finally hitting one more Blade Runner for the three count. And then did you happen to listen to any of his aftermatch comments? I didn't. Uh, he went on a nice little uh, rant about the fact that he had heat stroke. And he's like, heat stroke? I live in Florida. I just wanted the nights off. I didn't want to wrestle in those meaningless matches. Once again, Jay White's just the best. But once again, Jay White gets the win. Two points. Goes to ten points. Tai Chi stays at four. Match went 23 minutes and 20 seconds. I gave this match 3.75 stars. I also gave this match 3.75 stars. I thought it was a really good match. Feel like the same thing with uh, the last match. If Tai Chi would have won this match, I think the star rating would have been a little bit higher just because of the shock value. But like, yeah, this was a good match. It wasn't great though. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, no, I had a lot of fun with this night of G one action. Honestly, I did too. It was nice because there was also a layoff in between shows because there was like three nights, so we kind of got a little bit of a breather. So it was nice to. It didn't feel like as exhausting to like after we had like five nights in a row last time. It was like on oh, that fifth night, it's like, oh my god, I'm yeah, not even wrestling and I'm tired. Yeah, it's been a lot of wrestling, uh, and uh, yeah, it uh, it's been a lot of fun, but yeah, we'll keep on going because that was the end of night 16. We move on to night 17, and when was this diesel? It was August 14th, 2022, and that's that's all I'm going to be able to help you with on this night. See, like, I I watch these matches. I'm not going to take notes because I'm just going to remember. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to remember, and I'm going to be so smart when I'm talking to this podcast. And then I look at my fucking notebook and no notes, and I don't remember what happened. Nice. Uh, night 17, I, I won't. I'm a professional at this. So. Yeah, you've been doing it for years at this point. So... Won't lie. Night 17, first two matches of the night. I didn't really dig that much. So I don't have as many notes for these first couple matches. But so first match of the night came to us from D Block. And this was David Finley taking on Yoshihashi, which I was kind of excited for this match. I thought After it was the Yoshihashi match from the night before. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the David Finley matches from earlier in the tournament. I was excited for this match. And then it just kind of was kind of crappy. I mean, David Finley right away, purely focused on the Yoshihashi shoulder. Once again, that became the target of everyone. Uh, but Yoshi then has to hit a basement drop kick to get back into it. We had the classic strike off spot that we've had about a hundred times in this tournament, which is a great spot. I love it. Uh, Yoshi almost backslides into a victory, but Finley hits of a tree and with a Yuranagi backbreaker, he hits a trio of Yuranagi backbreakers for a close two count. Facebuster countered into a stunner for two by Finley. It's about the 10 minute mark. Uh, we had a rebound lariat into a slice bread attempt, but Yoshi counters into a roll up for the win. This match only lasted 11 minutes and 14 seconds. Yoshiashi went to six. Finley stayed at six. The D block stayed chaotic, and we still had no idea who the hell was going to come out of it. But yeah, I didn't really, I thought this match was fine. It, I gave it 2.5 stars. It was just there. And I gave it three stars, like from what I remember of it. It was. It was a fairly competitive match, but I guess the I, I figured that Yoshashi was going to win because of the fact of it B block or D block being so chaotic, and he had to get to six points because I knew they were going to play it off until the very end. Um, I gave it three stars. It was it was okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just I thought it was kind of just a letdown for both these guys who I'd been quite impressed with during this tournament. And a 2.5 stars, it's still fine. It's like right in the middle of the road, but that's all it was. It's kind of just right in the middle of the road. It's interesting how the night before they ended with the Yoshiashi and then a Tai Chi match, and then the next night they start with the Yoshiashi then a Tai Chi match, and they're both pretty underwhelming comparative to the match they just had. You know, maybe they were both still fucking exhausted after the that matches they had the night before. That could be. Very big possibility. Because this next match comes to us from B Block. And this was the Great Okan taking on Tai Chi. And this is one of those matches where I only have five lines of notes. And the notes are neither man will see to the other's style. And we literally had to have the refs make them both stand up. Because Great Okan was trying to get him to come down into uh, wrestling. And uh, Tai Chi was like, no, we do sumo here. And so they made him stand up. We did get a sumo off that Tai Chi easily won. Then we had a strike off into an axe bomber by Tai Chi. Then we had both of them going for roll-ups. We had a Gato clutch for a close two by Tai Chi. But then out of nowhere, literally, Great Okan hit a snap vertical suplex and bridged it. And we got the three count at seven minutes and six seconds. Yeah, this match, like, it was really fast. I I don't know. I feel bad because Great Okan's a hero and all, but, like, I don't know. I think I find him boring. He, I don't know. He shouldn't be boring, but I find him boring. So, yeah, I didn't really give this match a high ranking. I gave it 2.5 stars. I gave it even lower than you did. As I do like Great Okan, I don't love him, but I think he's better than this. And I really dig Tai Chi, but I, I guess maybe they were just exhausted because, as I said, seven minutes and six seconds. And I don't know, especially with it being a snap suplex like finish uh, with the like bridge. Even the commentary guys were like, well, you know, exhaustion's playing a factor here. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't like this one at all. I give it two stars. But do you feel like... Tai Chi did better than four points 
Yeah. Like looking back, like you can't believe that he finished with only four points. And he tied with the great Ocon. Yeah. It's crazy. So in the record books, it looked like they had the exact same G1. I mean, I guess he's kind of like the Detroit Lions last year who lost all those games right at the end because he had a couple matches where he almost had him won, like like the Jay White match, you know, like just, yeah. I don't know, but I felt like he won more than that. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I didn't really think about it until I just looked at that uh, number again, but especially since yeah. he tied with the great Ocon, that just feels odd. Right. I mean, think about like some of the people that got more points than him, like Yoshihashi, Yujiro Takahashi. <laughs> Everyone Both in D block. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he beat Yano though. That's that's all that's important. That's all. That's all that matters. As long as you don't lose to Yano. <laughs> all right, we move on to our next match on night seventeen, and this came to us from A block, the Monsters block, and this was. Jeff Cobb taking on filthy Tom Lawler. Oh, yeah. I forgot you don't have any notes. The only note that I have for this one is the finish, and he hit the new kids on the block for the win. I mean, sorry, (laughs) nasty me on the brain. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, We actually had wrestling to begin this contest, which I think is the first time that Jeff Cobb has actually wrestled with anyone in this entire tournament. So that was kind of fun to see, a little amateur stuff from the, you know, Tom Lawler, who is clearly trained and, you know, Olympian. That is Jeff Cobb. Great way to start it. Cobb tosses Tom across the ring like a sack of shit, which is the exact term that Jonah used. And he goes, I heard that's the nomenclature. That's what I'm supposed to say. That's how you describe that. And I really thought Jonah was great on commentary. I agree. He, like, he was like Lance Archer, but good. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Like, like he had like the same like style with like storytelling with like his background and stuff like that. I don't know. They matched up, even though from different parts of the world, it was, was that is similar style, but he was he was definitely better. Yeah. No, I, I dug Jonah on commentary. Uh we had Tom locking in a rear naked choke, but Jeff gets out of it and sends him to the outside. Tom tries to counter with a triangle. But Jeff just power bombs his sorry ass onto the apron, out of the triangle. And for a big like little start of this, Cobby's just dominating the match, goes surfing. Tom trying to get submission, but Cobb's just too damn strong and just keeps powering out of everything. Uh, Cobb pulls Jeff up from the ground with a tossing belly to belly, which I thought was really impressive. Like Jeff Cobb's strength because, and oh yeah, it is this one because Jonah's on commentary. When he came out, Jonah called him a bullfrog, and I've never thought about it before, but Jeff Cobb definitely kind of looks like a bullfrog, and now that's all I can see when I look at him. Yep. He looks exactly like a bullfrog. Like, his, like, legs and arms are kind of long for his, like, roundish body. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can picture him, like, hanging (laughs) like a bullfrog. Yep. Yep. That should be his nickname. Yeah, if a, if a witch turned a bullfrog into a human man, it would be Jeff Cobb. Yep. I, maybe maybe if he gets a kiss, he'll turn into a prince. Or back into a bullfrog. Maybe, maybe he's already a prince. <laughs> you saying he's in his prince form right now? Yeah, obviously. He's an Olympian. <laughs> that is actually pretty awesome. I didn't think that we were going to have a conversation 
like this today. You know, I, as I said, you know, I listen to the commentary and sometimes there's just these little nuggets in the commentary that you go, that, that right there, that's good stuff. That's why New Japan commentary is the best there is. Especially like during a long tournament like this, like, you know, Kevin Kelly's feeling it just like we are. So he's just trying to like, he doesn't care anymore. Like you get to like this point, he's just like, I'm going to say whatever I want. Yeah. Well, and it's a billion fucking degrees in every one of these gymnasiums with no AC. And it's like a hundred degrees with like a hundred percent humidity. And he's in a suit. So he's just sweating his ass off. Yeah. He's, you know, half mad. I also like how he uh, talked about how Tom Lawler, like perspirated more than anybody that he's ever seen. It's like, that is not true. There's bad luck falling. Yeah, no, he does. And Jonah was like, yeah, I know it's nasty. (laughs) Like Kevin Kelly and Jonah had a really great uh, repartee back and forth throughout this whole thing. Uh, Tom Lawler actually didn't manage to slam Jonah and got a close two count. Uh, Tom begins running assault in the corner, locks in a cravat, but Jeff powers out, hits the running suplex. Uh, Lawler makes another com- comeback and hits a big wheel kick to the back of Jeff Cobb's head for another close two count. I really love the wheel kick. I won't lie. It's one of my favorite wrestling moves, and no one does it. Not anymore. X-Pac had a good wheel kick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Edge used to do a sick wheel kick. He, I don't think he does he it as much anymore because of his hips, but... Uh, then we had a great uh, trapping elbow spot by Tom Lawler into a super kick by Jonah into a big strike by Tom Lawler. Both men go down crowd are eating it up. Uh, Tom goes for the penalty kick, but Jeff with some movement ends up hitting a big German suplex followed by another, but Tom Lawler won't stay down. Tom hits a big knee for a two count. And then yes, as Diesel did said, Tom Lawler hits the new kids on the block for the finish Getting two more points. Tom Lawler finishes the tournament with six points. Wait, he doesn't finish it till the next night. But he has... He finishes right here. No, this is last night. Yeah, you're right. This is his last match. Finishes the tournament with six points. Cobb also finishes with six points. Match went 14 minutes and three seconds. I gave this match 3.25 stars. I also gave this match 3.25 stars. I like how... Tom Lawler lost the first three matches, won the last three matches, so he feels strong. And that's all I wanted out of Tom Lawler in this tournament was him to come out, like, looking strong, and I believe he did. And, like, I don't think it hurt Jeff Cobb either to lose this match. I feel like it was the way Tom Lawler was booked to this point. It makes Jeff Cobb seem the same. Yeah, Like, he didn't have as strong as a showing as he did last year, but you know, I forgot to mention as well that Tom Lawler did hit a modified Regalplex in this match on Jeff Cobb, oh, yeah, which was commentary freaked out about it. Well, I mean, it was absolutely maddening, impressive. Like Tom Lawler's like half the size of Jeff Cobb, and he threw him over his head. I think he learned that move from William Regal. I don't know, maybe, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I also agree, Tom Lawler. I was really down on to start the tournament. How sweet would Tom Lawler be in the? Blackpool Combat Club. Him and John Moxley promos would be chef's kiss. I would yeah. I would love it. 
But yeah, I uh, was really down on Tom Lawler to start out his tournament and even his matches. I didn't care that he was losing. I just thought the matches themselves were kind of crappy. But yeah, he definitely finished. These final three matches he had were all a lot of fun and were all really good. So, you know, I don't know what it was and why those first three weren't great, but he finished strong and he looked strong. Could have been jet lag. Maybe, maybe. All right. Well, it's actually now on to the main event of Night 17 because Night 17 only had four matches on it for some reason. Very odd how they broke this tournament up for scheduling, but I don't run things, so I don't fucking know. <laughs> main event came to us from C Block, and this was Kenta taking on Tanahashi. It's all you again. <laughs> Uh, once again, right away, Jonah on commentary, making me chuckle when Kenta was uh, too sweeting everyone. And he's like, that's, that's bullshit. They shouldn't do that. So I'm going to call up my friends Hunter and Sean and get them to drop another uh, cease and desist on them. And uh, Kevin Kelly's like, we've, we've already done that before. Don't know. It's, oh, it's okay. Uh, but Kenta takes early advantage and begins to wear down Tana. Uh, Tana comes back. It's a big second row crossbody. And then plows Kenta into barricade. Kenta retakes the advantage, though, on the outside with a toss into a the barricade. And then a huge GDT on the actual, like, outskirts, like, near the actual fans. And uh, takes Tanahashi um, a long while to get back into the ring. Kenta's, Kenta's just beating down Tanahashi with elbows into a big double stomp into the body scissors. Kenta's really focused on the rib cage of Tanahashi throughout this whole match. Really trying to set up for the top rope double stomp finish. Uh, Tana can't fight back till a block of a big boot in the corner leads to the big dragon screw. Uh, Tana picking up the pace, and it's a big somersault sent on for two. Uh, strike off leads to red shoes getting dragon swatted down. And I mean, literally looking like he was dead. Like he took the left hand from Tanahashi and just dropped like a bag of potatoes. It was actually great selling by Red Shoes. I agree. Uh, Kenta pulls a crutch from under the ring, which, you know, symbolizes the fact that Tana put Kenta on the uh, bench for eight months with a back injury from the Wrestle Kingdom match. So that was a crutch he had to use. And he just absolutely brutalized the fuck out of Tanahashi with this crutch, basically breaking it over his back and his rib cage. Uh, Jonah, once again, another great line from him going, if this was a video game, his bar would be in red at this point. Uh, just describing how Tanahashi was doing. Uh, table is set up on the outside. Both men battle up to the top rope. Looks like one of them's going to go through it from the top rope to the outside, but neither do. Kenta hits the dream killer, followed by a corner charges and a huge double stomp. But Tana, much to the surprise of the crowd and commentary, kicked out at two. Uh, Kenta threw the whole motherfucking table then at Tanahashi's head from the outside. And I don't know if I've ever seen someone take one of those Japanese tables and do that. I thought he was gonna like set up for like a DDT from the apron to the outside, but no. He put Ken or Tanahashi's head in the ropes, then he went to the outside, grabbed the table, and just fucking hucked it at his head full strength. And I like started laughing because I didn't expect it at all. Uh, but then we go to the finish of this match. 
Tana counters GTS into a twist and shout. Then he counters another GTS attempt into a sling blade, followed by a second sling blade. Hits the aces high, sets up to hit the high fly flow, but results in hitting on Kenta's knees as he gets him up right before the final or the landing of the high fly flow. Kenta brutalizes Tama at the end for a little bit and then finally hits the GTS for a big win, eliminating Tanahashi from G1 action this year as his tournament now means nothing. Kenta goes to six points. Tanahashi stays at six points. Match went 23 minutes and 46 seconds. I gave it 3.75 stars. I gave it 3.5 stars. And it was a pretty entertaining match with all the like stuff that was going on. Like you mentioned, Red Shoes. There was that when he was finally getting into the ring in the ice pack, which I'm like, I like how much they like commit New Japan to stuff like that. And yeah, that, that spot with the table was it was nasty because those tables, like you can just you look at them and you see underneath them all like the bars and like how much metal is on those tables. It's like no sir. And like even when Juice's head went through it, like when we were talking last week, that's that's nasty. Like that's ruthless. But yeah, I gave this match three point five stars. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty weak night of G one action to start with the first two matches, but the second two matches that well not fully making up for it, at least made it a worthwhile night of G one action to enjoy. All right. It is now time to move on to the biggest block action night of the entire G1 as we move to night 18. And Diesel, when was this? It was on my birthday, August 16, 2022. Happy late birthday, buddy. But yes, night 18 featured eight block matches. And they go block by block to finalize all of the finalists from each of the blocks. So we start in D block, the chaos block. And our first match of the night was Rockard Juice Robinson taking on Billy the Goat, William Ospreay. I liked how they did this, how they did D block, D block, C block, C block, B block, B block, A block, A block. Like, yeah, so like you knew... Like, after two matches, who one of the final four was. It just, like, I don't know. I like the way this was laid out. Um, this match was fun. Will Ospreay attacked Juice in, uh, while Juice was doing his entrance because Will Ospreay hates Juice Robinson. Because he too got beef. They do got beef. And there was, like, uh, they're fighting on the outside and uh, – Say, well, Osprey, his ribs landed on like the barricade. I can't remember how that happened exactly, but then Juice turned him around and then did neck breaker on the barricade, and that's about all I have for my notes. <laughs> yeah, that was right away. Uh, Juice picked him up and did like a front suplex onto the barricade, yeah, yeah, and then turned him around and did a neck breaker onto it. Uh, Juice tosses uh, Will viciously into the exposed buckle. Uh, Big forearm gets Will back into it for a second before William ends up on the apron and just gets crushed by a huge clothesline from Juice Robinson. Cause him to like bounce off the apron. Uh, Will hits a big apron bomb though and goes for a 450. But Juice gets his knees up and then hits the double knee gut buster for a big two count. 
Big low blow from Juice while the ref goes down. Uh, this is where he pulls out the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, which apparently he had stolen back from Will during one of the pre-show, not the pre-show, but the earlier part of the show, like a few nights ago, which I didn't know. Commentary went crazy, and Chase Owens was on commentary. And he's like, oh, yeah, I knew it was out there. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell us then? And he's like, because I don't care. I wasn't getting paid to do it. <laughs> uh, we had a, a Juice going for the belt shot, but Will countered the first one. But the second time, uh, Juice hits the huge belt shot, only for a two count, though. Pile drives Will on the outside on the exposed floor. But once, and then followed by a big pulp friction on the inside of the ring, still only gets a two count. And this is just at the 10-minute mark. Uh, and then we had a rock slide countered into a hidden blade for the win. Uh, right away, about a minute later, the 11-minute and 7-second mark. This meant Will Ospreay went to eight points. Juice Robinson went to four. As I said, 11 minutes, 7 seconds for the match time. I gave it 3.25 stars. I also gave it 3.25 stars. It was a good opener. Um, chaos. We weren't going to get all six men tied after this. So thank you, Billy, for that. And Juice, you fucked up again, dude. Come on. Yep. Fucking Juice. You just made Kevin Kelly hate you even fucking more. Right? You didn't even need to give him any more reasons, but you just had to. But you did. You did anyways. All right, match two, final match of D-block action of the G132 Climax. And this was Shingo Takagi taking on ELP. If Shingo won, he would win the block. If Shingo lost, William Ospreay wins D-block. Yeah, this match was a lot of fun, and it was amplified because of the fact that if Shingo won, he won the block. And... Like, ELP did not want to lose this match. And, like, they were going toe for toe and, like, doing, like, a whole bunch of crazy shit. And I like this match. I don't have very many uh, notes except for the finish. But uh, this match I thought was really awesome. Yeah. No, I quite enjoyed this match. Uh, it started with uh, Shingo was stronger, but ELP got that speed and hits a big springboard to the outside. Uh, Swanton into a lion salt for a close two right away at the beginning of this match. I kind of thought it might be a quick one for a hot second there. Uh, but Shingo gets the advantage and pummels ELP into the turnbuckle. Uh, ELP comes back and kicks Shingo's head off as Shingo was saying to like, let's go everyone. And the camera was like right on his face and ELP, like a horror movie villain from behind, like came up and blasted him in the side of the head before hitting a UFO for another close two count. Uh, Shingo counters the CR2 with a backdrop. ELP tries for a dive, but Shingo with a straight right just knocks him like unconscious. Then into a DVD on the outside. Both guys no selling strikes till Shingo suckers him in for a big DDT. Both men are down. Uh, we had ELP hitting a huge Super Rana into the Thunderkiss 86, but only got a two count out of it. Then we had a whole bunch of CR2 counters where... ELP just couldn't hit it, and uh, Shingo hit a big gory bomb and a big lariat for a two count. ELP finally hits the CR2, but Shingo kicks out at two, and this causes, we go to the finish, Diesel, and what happened at the end? He hit a pile driver, which he named CR3 after the match when he went up to chase and 
Yeah. Another win. Yeah. Yeah. He had two sudden death super kicks right before that. And then, yeah, hit a cross arm pile driver, which he is now calling the CR3. ELP gets two points, goes to six. Shingo gets nothing, stays at six points, which means that Will Ospreay is our D block finalist. This match went 12 minutes and 12 seconds. Love that. And uh, I gave it 3.75 stars. I gave it 3.5 stars. And Juice Robinson is the reason why we can't have nice things. Yeah, 100%. Everyone, let's hate on Juice. And if he would have won that match, it would have been. We would have had Chaos Theory. Yeah. We were so fucking close. So close. I thought they were actually going to do it. I did for a second as well. They should have put the Will Ospreay match second. Yeah, I agree. Okay, though, we keep on keeping on, and we move on to C-Block action. And the first match out of C-Block was Hiroki Goto taking on Evil. So, actually, I made a mistake on the last night when I said the thing about the count-out, like with Dick Togo. Yeah, it was this match. Yeah, but uh, I also never realized until this match when I was writing my notes that... Uh, Goto and Togo have the same exact letters in it. And it was starting to freak me out when I was looking at my notes. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so this match started out like the first match. Evil came out and attacked Roki Goto during his entrance. Um, I talked about the almost countout spot with Dick Togo grabbing Roki Goto's feet and, uh, Probably my favorite spot of the match is when Dick Togo climbed into the ring to help Evil do the magic killer. They got reversed, and it was uh, <laughs> Goto and Togo doing the magic killer instead, which I thought was really funny. That was and, great. Like, I, was, I was starting to get confused at this point because of all the Gotos and Togos. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> after, after, yeah. After this, he had a big GTW for a close two count. But then the end of the match was actually, this was probably my favorite match finish of the shitty finishes that the House of Torture have done throughout the whole tournament. Because as Evil had uh, Goto in like a dragon sleeper-like position, he had the ref distracted. And so Dick Togo, like a sneaky fucking raccoon, slid into the ring, hit a quick dick kick, and slid out of the ring before the ref could even turn around. And they did it so smoothly and quickly, I was actually really impressed with it. And then Evil hit Everything is Evil for the three count and ended Hiroki Goto's G1 because Goto needed this win to win the block. So not only... Did evil beat Goto, but he also broke Goto's son's heart because that's all his son wanted was for Goto to win the tournament. And so evil is super fucking evil. Uh, match the most evil thing you could do. Yeah. Uh, match only went eight minutes and 40 seconds. I gave it three stars. I like the finish. I felt exactly the same as you. I gave it three stars. I also like the finish for all the like shitty finishes. The house of torture had, this was probably it was the best one, so and it was it wasn't a bad match either. So I liked it three three stars. Yep. Uh, so that meant that C Block all came down to the next match, and whoever won this next match would win C Block. And this next match was Zack Saber Junior. taking on Naito. I mean, this annoys me. 
I'm not going to lie, because we talked about this since the very beginning, how the Naito formula works, and it's the same every fucking time. They should have just given this match to Zack Sabre Jr. You know, it it pisses me off that Naito won the block. It was, I don't even know how long the match was. It was a sneak roll-up for a win. Yeah. And I wrote after that, my bracket is busted, because I had Zack Sabre Jr. winning the whole thing. Just, it doesn't make sense. Why do you do this every single time? It's so predictable. Yeah, I only have two lines of notes for this. Roll-ups galore. Both men going for them. Naito rolls up ZSJ for win. Minute 58. One minute and 58 seconds is all this match lasted. Uh, Yeah, I've rated it incomplete once again. Because fucking A. Like, I, I was actually also very annoyed after the finish of this match. Like, I get... That I, I know you don't want CSJ to win the G1, but you had the semifinals. You could have eliminated him there. You didn't have to eliminate him here. Like we've seen Naito so many times do this same thing over and over, lose his first couple matches and then run off a bunch of matches. I didn't need to see this. And also, it doesn't make any fucking sense. ZSJ is supposed to be the best technical wrestler on the planet. And so you have him lose in a minute 58, under two minutes. After you've put over a thousand times how fucking smart he is all tournament and how he's suckered everyone in. That's how you finish his tournament off. Like his whole tournament's invalid at this point. Everyone, everyone's going to remember is him losing to Naito in under two minutes. Fucking stupid. I don't even care he won the New Japan Cup. It is stupid because even though Will Ospreay versus Naito has never happened before and CSJ versus... Osprey has happened a million times. I don't know. I feel like that match is more fitting for I don't know. I don't know. I I get it that we're also from America and like we're white and those guys are white and like I don't know. And it sounds weird that I root for that, but like I don't know. I just I feel like that's just a better matchup. I want to see these guys elevated. Naito's won the G1 before. Naito has been around for a really long time. This is what they do every single year with Naito. It's just, wish it would have went a little differently. Yep. So Naito wins C-Block, and after the match, ZSJ was absolutely livid and basically acted out how my emotions were feeling as he smashed chairs and barricades, and Kevin Kelly was like, what a disrespectful way to act. And I went, fuck that. He deserves to be this pissed off. Okay, well, we now move on to the next match, and we move on to B-Block. And this first match of B-Block doesn't matter, because these final four matches, the first match of block action doesn't matter at all. The second one is where all the eggs are in the basket, because that is where the block final will be determined, or block finalists will be determined. But we still got to talk about all the matches. We haven't not talked about any. So we start in B-Block with Sonata, Taking on Ishii. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much like tuned this match out because of the fact it meant nothing. And I mean, I don't know. It was an okay match. Uh, there, right away, there was a spot where Sonata pinned Ishii, and it looked like it was three to me. And I'm sure that it wasn't supposed to be the end of the match right there, so they just kept it going. But it was like, it was, yeah. If it wasn't three, it was really fucking close. But, yeah, I thought it was um, over right there, too. I thought we were going to get another snap finish. And I was like, two in a row? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, this match, I don't know. Ishii was pretty underwhelming throughout the whole G1. And, I mean, Sonata wasn't. But Sonata wasn't as good as he's been in some past G1s either. So, I don't know. This match was only okay, in my opinion. I didn't write much for it. Yeah, I, I really, I wrote a few notes, but it was just really, Matt starts fast, Sonata almost wins with the roll-up, uh, Sonata hits a big back suplex, take advantage, Sonata trying to strike with Ishii, but that obviously always goes poorly, uh, ramps up the speed though with a big drop kick, sends Ishii to the outside, uh, hits the magic screw, which is just the one person magic killer, apparently he calls it the magic screw, which I didn't know, and I don't know if they were just making that up on commentary because of the heat or what, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, we had another magic screw into the TKO for a two count. Locks in a skull end, but Ishii won't chat or won't tap, so he goes for the moonsault. Ishii rolls out the way. Uh, huge moves and strikes back and forth right at the 10 minute mark. Last two minutes of this match were just kind of just them hitting everything and firing all their shots until Ishii hits the vertical drop brainbuster, gets the win. Uh, I didn't even write down how many points they finished with each of them, but Ishii gets two points. It's not a good zero points, but neither of them matter in B block because the next match is the one that is the important one. Because the next match, oh, I gave it three stars, and the match went 12 minutes and 35 seconds. I also gave it three stars, and they just gave Ishii this win because he's the legend. That's the only reason. Yeah, they were putting over on commentary that this could be his final G1 ever. Yep. And maybe it should be. Not saying that anything against him, but maybe give somebody else the spot, you know, because it just feel he felt underwhelming in this whole tournament. Yeah. He, he had a couple of like good. He's like in his twilight of his wrestling career. And I don't know, maybe he should give up his spot for somebody else. I would tend to agree with you. He had a couple bright spots in the tournament, but in general, of these six matches, they were all underwhelming. And that's not who the Stone Pit Bull is. And there are definitely a lot of young up-and-comers who would love that G1 spot, you gotta think. Oh, yeah. But let us move on to the next match on night 18. And this was for all the marbles in B Block. And this was Tamatanga taking on Jay White. Yeah, this match definitely had that, like, big match feel to it because of the story, uh, everything, and, like, yeah. And he knew all along this is what they were building to. Like, there was a reason they put this match last. He knew it was going to be winner take all. And it's the way it should be. That's what, that's a good wrestling, like, way to write it out. I like it. This match, and I wasn't 100% who was going to win either way because I could see Jay White, he's the champ, going undefeated in his block. That wouldn't have surprised me one bit. But uh, also, Tom Matonga feeling like he's the underdog and he has that chip on his shoulder. Like, I watched Aaron Rodgers play like early in his career when he had that chip on his shoulder. Like, like it was, it's similar. It feels like you can feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like it's real life stuff too. Like, Tomatonga wants to be the best wrestler in the world, I feel like. He wants, and he can do it too. This match was really good. I don't really have many notes, but like, this match was really good. I liked it a lot. It was one of the best matches in the entire tournament for sure. Yeah, no, uh, right away, Tama came out, rips the shirt off, basically two seconds into the match because. And just starts smashing Jay White in the face. 
Uh, his overaggression eventually leads to uh, Jay taking control and begins to pick Tama apart. But the, really the story of this match is that Jay just couldn't keep Tama Tonga down no matter how many times he kept picking him apart or hitting him with big moves. Tama Tonga just kept countering everything, whether it was Jay White hitting the complete shot into a deadlift German, but then the Uranagi getting countered into a Milano with both men going down after that. Or, and then Tama hits the rolling DVD into a supreme flow for a close two count. Then he uh, sets up for the gun stun, but that's countered into a massive Uranagi. But Jay was so hurt, uh, he still retakes control and he starts shouldering. I thought that was one of the interesting things you don't see a lot of people doing, where Jay had Tama Tonga like turned backwards in the turnbuckle and was just delivering shoulder to shoulder into the kidneys instead of the actual yeah. midsection. Yeah, um, something that I wanted to bring up. I, I really like how their managers, Jado and Gato, how they're a tag team and how they split with each one of them. And it, it feels like good versus evil when it's just between them two. Like, they're almost like the angel and the devil. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I really like that dynamic that they have. And it makes both of their characters and in a match like this, it gives it that extra edge as well, because not only does Jay White and Tama Tonga know each other really well, I mean, Jado and Gato were tag team partners, so they know all their tricks and like, yeah, it just made the match even better. I completely agree with that. But then, yeah, we get into the absolutely blistering finale of this match after that kidney spot. Uh, the sleeper suplex by Jay. He then sets up for the Blade Runner, but he gets countered into a Tongan twist. Uh, but Jay takes the advantage again, sets up for another Blade Runner. This one gets countered into a Bloody Sunday, which commentary absolutely lose their mind over, as that was Prince Devitt's finisher, clearly back when he was running Bullet Club. Gets a 2.99. I really thought they were going to end the match on the Bloody Sunday for a second. Uh, but as that, then we go into the absolutely blistering last few seconds where Tama keeps going for the gunstone. He keeps getting countered until finally, after he uh, counters one more Blade Runner, hits a huge gunstone. One, two, three. Tama Tonga pins the IWGP heavyweight world champion, Jay White, goes to eight points and wins B, or, what are they in? B block. Yeah, they are in B block. And. Like Jay White's reaction afterwards, and did you see the gift that was sent to, or the video of his aftermatch comments? No, I didn't. I know that was sent in our group text, and he just yells yeah, "fuck" for thirty it. seconds straight, over and over. Thirty seconds of Jay White saying "fuck" before he's like, "Let's get the fuck out of here." I mean, I, I like the decision of going with Tama because Jay White doesn't need to win. He's already the champion. And, yeah, it's, it's a cool stipulation. You get to pick your opponent at Wrestle Kingdom. But I also like somebody winning the tournament and getting the briefcase. Yeah. So, like, I like that Tama Tonga one right here. And, yeah, it, it also kind of, like, makes Jay White's whole – Winning, going five and zero to start the tournament mean nothing, and that also makes it awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like he did all of that for nothing. Uh, Just yeah. gonna make him even more angry. Oh and yeah, more better. Yep, hundred hundred percent. Yeah, Jay White's gonna use this as fuel, and the rest of twenty twenty two, Jay White will be on an absolute just fury tear. Uh, match went though thirteen minutes and forty six seconds. I gave it three point seven five stars. 
I gave it more than that. I gave it four point two five stars. I really like, I really like that Tom Tonga came out as the winner because I mean I picked when we did the brackets. I picked Jay White winning this match because I picked him winning every match in his block. So like I like that they had the balls to not go with Jay White and go with Tom Tonga because no one would have been mad if Jay White would have won. And so yeah, I had uh, Tom Tonga winning this match. Not gonna lie in my predictions because I'm smart. I did, not. I did not, but I'm not really smart. We'll do final, we'll do final records in a minute or two. Uh, see, see who's better than another. See who's really actually the smart one. It ain't me, yeah. folks. It ain't me. <laughs> okay, we keep on keeping on to our semi-main event of the night, and I get that the why they did this because they did it like each block going block by block, but it felt weird on a night with all of these other great matches that this next match was the semi-main event of this night of G1 action uh, because we had the non-consequential match from A block, the Monsters block, of Bad Luck Fale taking on the top dog, Jonah. Once again, this match, yeah, it, was, it didn't mean anything. I don't know, it... I didn't write much for it. I didn't give it a really high rating either. I mean, Jonah won yeah. the torpedo. I like, yeah, it just dip. I enjoyed this. Yeah. I enjoyed this match. I didn't. I mean, it was inconsequential. I didn't like. I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed some of the other big man matches. I guess during this G one, I don't know why. I think Bad Luck Fale and Jonah had a little better chemistry than maybe some of the other ones did. Uh, I really like the big splashes into the corner by Jonah, but then Fale counters with a huge diving spear. Once again, that diving spear spot, I'm just a sucker for it. I can't help it. It makes me smile every time. And watching Jonah take it made me smile even more. And I thought the ring might, you know, you know, snap for a second. It didn't, obviously. Uh, but then we had a grenade countered into a headbutt, into a big clothesline, followed by a big scoop slam. And then, yes, of course, the torpedo for the win. Jonah finishes his first ever G1 with eight points, never being pinned or submitted, which is, you know, quite impressive. And I love the fact that Kevin Kelly was putting over on commentary. You know what that sound is? That's the cash register, folks. Dollar bills, y'all. Because he's like, Jonah just signed his paycheck for the rest of the year because everyone's going to want him here in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I got to agree. Seems like a hell of a big man, and he's a lot of fun in New Japan. I like it a lot. Yeah, so what are the odds that he wins a future G1, you think? I I don't know if he'll ever win one. I have a strong feeling he'll be in finals. What about what are the odds that uh, Triple H snags him up, brings him back into the WWE? That I could see very, very readily happening. Especially in... after this G1 showing and put him right in the main event. I could see that happening. Yeah. Uh, this match, though, lasted 9 minutes and 13 seconds. I actually gave it 3.25 stars. I only gave it 2.5 stars. It was just it was just there for me. I think a lot of the luster was... There was lackluster because it was didn't mean anything. And it sucked it didn't mean anything because Jonah finished with 8 points. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it technically... It didn't matter because he lost to Lance Archer, so... Yeah. Yep, because the only way that he could have got a tie, he would have lost the tiebreaker to the guy that he lost to. But yes, that does lead us into our main event of Night 18. 
And this was, for all the marbles in A block, the Monsters block. And this was Kazuchika Okada taking on the Murder Hawk himself, Lance Archer. Yeah, Lance Archer saved his best for last for sure in this match. The thing that was pissing me off about this match, though, was Lance Archer, like, would hit a big move. Like, right away, he just started pummeling on Okada and would hit big moves and just stand there and, like, laugh. I know right away he stood there with his hood up and, like, just stood there, like, silently until he attacked. But, like, it just, it's like, dude, you should, you got him down. You should go for it and, like, finish him off early. Like, I would have been super jacked if Lance Archer would have won this match and, like, went on to the Final Four because that would have been something, like, definitely unexpected. Tomatonga, that's that's believable. Lance Archer, from the get-go, it's like he's just there to be there. Yeah, been all if left he would have won the block, I would have been like, all right, I'm rooting for Lance Archer. But, like, yeah, that, that didn't happen. But, like, this no. match, Lance Archer is still – did a lot of awesome stuff. Like I only wrote one note and it was the tight walk moonsault by Lance Archer. Like that was nuts. Like he did like the undertaker thing. And he twisted his arm and then moonsaulted on him halfway across. It's like, how does it like a six foot, like eight man do that? Yeah. Chase Owens was once again on commentary for this match. And said both of those things that you just said on commentary that, A, why are you letting Okada any time to, you know, rest and recover? And B, how does a man that big do a moonsault like that from the ropes? Yeah, this match was Lance Archer dominating throughout this whole contest. The biggest spots that I really just want to talk about are Lance Archer hitting his own dropkick and then into his own Rainmaker the I think they called it the Black Rain is what they called it. And I mean, honestly, I thought that was the finish right there. I thought, wow, they're going to let Okada go down to his own finisher because it was that close and it was that big a rainmaker. Loved it. Uh, but he kicks out of then Okada kicked out of the blackout, which I was shocked by and rolled it right into a crucifix in almost one right there, which I thought was also yeah, going to be the that spot. I thought, yeah, like Lance Archer might win. But then we rolled them up and like episode over right here and the Lance Archer kicked on. I'm like, damn, good match. Yep. And then, though, you had somehow Okada once again just showing off his strength, lifting Lance Archer up into the landslide, hitting it. And hitting the Rainmaker for the finish. Okada wins and wins A block. Match went 12 minutes and 43 seconds. I gave it 3.5 stars. I gave it 3.75 stars. I liked Lance Archer's showing. And I, it's not a surprise to me that Okada won, though. That's for sure. No, no. I definitely had Okada winning A block. Not in this fashion, but I definitely had Okada winning A block. Uh, should we talk about our records then real quick for block action? Yes, I would love to. Do you have it broken down by block or do you just have your total record? I just have my total record. I didn't do That's fine. break down by block. Maybe I can do that for you next week. That's fine. Uh, well, you want to go first? I know you did better than me. so. My final record was 57 and 28. With a 671 winning percentage. Wow. Uh, I'm not as far behind as I thought I would be. I went 50 and 34. 
So like, yeah, I this last night killed me. Like I had three wrong. Like, I was like at one time I had thirteen in a row. Right, I was like, oh dude, I'm cruising. But yeah, last night kind of bit me in the butt. Uh, I will say I do have all my blocks uh, broken down by my records. I did not go negative in any block. Like I had a winning record in every single block, but C and D block and A block. I did not do. I went, I went 12 and nine in A block. I went 10 or 11 and 10 in both C and D block. But then in B block, I went 16 and five. Oh, nice. Yeah, I killed one block. That's the only reason my record's any good. If I would have done the same thing that I did in the rest of the blocks, I would have been basically right at 500. It would have been interesting because we both have the same Final Four. So if that would have been the Final Four, it would have been interesting because we could have kept it going. <laughs> no, we could have. Yeah, no, I can't. I mean, we could have made a pick, but I feel, felt like it was, it's too late now. Yeah. Also, fun fact, I got every single Hanare match right in the tournament well that's awesome i know it was a weird little thing it was all green as i looked down and i was looking at my block i got uh every okada match right nice all right though it is now time for us to move on to night 19 of the g1 action our semifinals action and did you watch the rest of the show diesel or did you just watch semifinals matches i just watched semifinals matches me too, me too. But I do know that the Good Brothers were on the show because when I was I fast forwarding, I saw them. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, saw them on there. And I was like, "Oh, cool." All right, though. So our first semifinal action was between the winner of B Block and the winner of A Block. So we had Tamatanga taking on Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, this match delivered full show. I I like this match. Like there was a lot of blocked and reverse finishers in this entire match, and I don't know. I felt like they were evenly matched because no one ever had the upper hand. No one ever like dominated. It was always somebody would get some moves in reversal, then the other one would take over, and it was like a really really good back and forth. Um, yeah, I only wrote my final thoughts for this one. So, like, yeah, you no. can go through the big, the big moves, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think afterwards. I mean, really, I think you kind of just nailed the nail on the head. Both of these kind of matches for this uh, semifinals, I thought, were just kind of balls to the walls matches right away. They didn't have the kind of was feeling out period. It was just big moves after big moves. As Kazucho Okada hit a big DDT on the outside right away. Uh, Tama tries to fire back, but Okada keeps no-selling him. And it almost seemed because it took Tama Tonga to the count of 19 to get back into the ring after the DDT on the outside. And this seemed to almost infuriate Okada, which then he was like kind of fucking around with Tama Tonga, which then in turn infuriated Tama Tonga. And then the match really ramped up where they were. They were just trading big moves, DDTs, Tongan twists, uh, just the everything that they could and once again tom and tonga busting out the bloody sunday and almost getting the win and then going for the j driller i don't know what he actually calls it but that's how he beat okada last year but he just couldn't get it done and hitting a gun stun and okada kicking out of it and then finally you get to the finish with okada busting out 
the Cobra Flosion, which he's like never done before, and then hitting the Rainmaker. Tomatongo looks great in defeat. Like, absolutely looks like he should be a main event player going forward in New Japan Pro Wrestling and should be challenging for all these belts and be a huge single star. But losing to Okada is never a bad thing because he's just so fucking good. This match was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it I didn't have write down the times because they weren't out on NewJapan.com yet. So, sorry, I don't have the times. But what were your final thoughts, Diesel? I, uh, I agree with you. Losing to Okada is never a bad thing. But a win on this stage would have like launched him into the stratosphere, I feel. like, And he wouldn't even have to win one the G1. Like he could have lost in the finals, but I think like knocking out Okada being the first person to ever beat him in a single elimination match in G1, I don't know. It, it doesn't hurt Tama in any way to lose this match. And I think he's elevated his stock throughout the whole G1. But, I mean, just imagine a victory from Tama Tonga in this match and what it does for him. So that, that bums me out just a little bit. I was really hoping that they would pull the trigger at Tama again, like that against Jay White. As that being said, like I said, doesn't really affect his status at all. He still is going to be a main event player, and I do see him as future IWGP heavyweight champion for sure. But uh, I gave this match 4.25 stars. I thought this match definitely delivered. It was awesome. I gave this match four stars out of five. Uh, I do think I would have rated it higher had Tomatonga won. I think that just... It felt like it was Tomatonga's match to win in a lot of ways. And then so when we got to the finish of the Cobra Flosion into the Rainmaker, I just I guess I felt a little deflated by it. I, I Once again, I don't think Tomatonga is really hurt by this loss or anything. I just really, really wanted uh, New Japan to pull the trigger here on Tomatonga. But still, four-star match. Tomatonga looked absolutely amazing. But moving on to the finals, once again... Kazuchi Okada will be in the final match of the G1 Climax and looking to repeat. But who will he face? Well, let's find out as we move on to our final main event of Night 19, which was the winner of C Block taking on the winner of D Block. So we had Tetsuya Naito taking on Billy the Goat, William Ospreay. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, this was the first time ever meeting, which is kind of crazy for how long, like, Will Ospreay has been big. Like, you'd think that they would And wrestling in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, you would think that they would have met somewhere down the line, but they haven't. Um, And I thought they had good chemistry together. I like that, like, the Tranquilo style versus the always annoyed style of Will Ospreay. It, it thought it worked out really well. Um, this was a hard-hitting match, and, like, both men had to, like, pull out all the stops. But at the same time, Naito just – he felt more like Orange Cassidy than normal his normal Tranquilo stuff. He felt like, if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. I don't know. That's the kind of feeling I got. And, like, it was working for him. There were times where, like, he would counter – like, he countered that Oz cutter – into the destino, and I thought the match was over, like, but it wasn't. But like, it just—I don't know. This—it was a weird dynamic that worked really, really well. I liked this match a lot. 
Once again, I have like some final thoughts. Yeah. I'm going to go through the big spots. Yeah. I mean, this match, the story of this match was Naito was completely focused on the now damaged neck of Osprey. And so right away was just going at the neck with 12 to 6 elbows. The first five minutes of this match was basically Naito just controlling it and Will Ospreay not really being able to get out of first gear. Uh, Will finally gets and hits the springboard flip kick after a clunky kind of exchange of an Irish whip where they definitely, once again, it must have been a billion degrees in this place. So they were all sweaty and slippery. And so they lost the grip of each other's hand and it was a little clunky. Uh, but then we had a hot shot into a beautiful Yakuza kick by Osprey. Naito counters Will's uh, knee and uh, hits the back of the neck, and then a, that double leg full Nelson that Naito's been doing this whole tournament, which I guess it looks like it would really hurt, but then again, it also looks like he's just kind of hooking his legs around your body and just, like, hanging out there. Like, I don't want anyone to put me in it, but I also think it looks really kind of lame. It looks lame, but yeah, I can see how it could hurt, though. Uh, and this was at the 10-minute mark, and then Osprey does get the ropes, though. Uh, Osprey of a flurry of blows into a Spanish fly and both men are done or both men are down. And this led to both of them kind of crawling up to their hands and knees and Will Osprey looking dead at Nido and the camera catching up or catching Will Osprey saying, what are you smiling at you prick? Which just brought a smile to my face because just like Jay White and Zack Sabre Jr. and Kevin Owens and basically anyone else who does it, I love me some trash talking during a match. I think it just adds so much more to it. So the little things like that just make me smile. Uh, we have a Osprey countering a Tornado DDT into a Brain Buster just on pure strength alone, which was super impressive. He holds on to go for a second attempt, but that was countered into a Hurricane Rana and then a big Tornado DDT by Naito. Big 12 to 6 elbows by Naito into a Gloria. Will is down and hurting. Uh, super hot shot into a corner, followed by a super mega poison Rana from the top rope by Naito to Will Ospreay, which was wild to see. I mean, commentary put over the fact he's like, he usually does the super Rana, but like the reverse poison Rana poison from Rana. the top is just nuts. Yeah, Chris Charlton was going insane. Uh, but Will Ospreay kicks out at the very last second. Uh, Will Ospreay makes a comeback and hits a weird pile driver thing where he kind of like trapped one of the arms and then twisted the legs up. And even Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly didn't know what to call it uh, for a close two count. Uh, then Will I hits called a it. I called it a packaged pro- or a tombstone pile driver. It's the only thing I could think of what it was. Kind of, yeah, like a leg trap, tombstone, pile driver or something. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, but then Will hits a huge hidden blade, goes for Stormbreaker, but Naito counters it into the Destino variation. Both men down. Uh, Naito counters the hidden blade into a Destino. Will kicks out at two. Will counters the Destino into a hidden blade for a two count. But then does hit Stormbreaker finally for the first time in the entire G1 this year and gets the win. William Ospreay is your other finalist for the G1 Climax 32. I gave this match 4.5 stars, my highest rated match of the tournament. 
I also gave this match 4.5 stars. And I'm I'm pretty sure that Kevin Kelly had an orgasm during this match. Like when he called that one Destino spot, when he just like Destino. Like, did you love the sure, fact? Did you love the sure fact that he put over the fact strokes. he got to meet Di- Naito's parents? That too, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were Ke- Kevin Kelly's vinegar strokes right there. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, this match was awesome. I gave it 4.5 stars. I like I don't know what else to say. Like for first time meeting, you have nothing else to compare it to. So like they set the bar high, and I would love to see another Naito Osprey match. And the only thing that really annoys me is you predicted the finals correctly from the beginning. And that annoys me just a little bit. Yeah. I mean it was kind of the writing was on the wall because Ucho Kata versus William Osprey for the G1 Climax 32. It just it just felt like it had to be them. I didn't know how we were going to get there. I wasn't right about that, but I knew we would get there eventually. Kind of like Jay White and Tamatanga. Yeah. Former Chaos teammates. I'm excited. I I already have this match at five stars, so I don't even think I have to watch it because it like yeah, if it's not five stars. I'm pretty sure I'd be upset. I'm not gonna say, lie. Yeah. yeah, if this, I'm build. I might be, might be building it up in my head too much. But if it's not five stars, like I'm expecting to be able to compare this to Okada Omega. Like I'm uh, not saying it's gonna be better, but like you can compare it to it. You know what I mean? It's gonna be up in that echelon, even if it's at the lower end. Like that's what I'm expecting here. Yeah. No. I I completely agree with you. I. I think this match is set at a five-star, like, seat or floor. And it's really what the ceiling of this match is. Like, how high can it go? So if it goes below the, you know, floor, then I'm going to be shocked. Like, something bad must happen if this match isn't five stars. Yep, I agree. I'm excited. Oh, I'm very excited I, for this like, finale. I, I hope they go an hour. Like, I really do. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had any, like, even with these two semifinal matches, both of them, at most, like, as I said, I didn't uh, look up the times or anything, but at most, both of them were 20-some minutes, so neither of them were even over 30 minutes, and so we really need one kind of, you know, marathon match. We haven't had one yet. No time limit, because there has to be a winner. Has to be a winner, and, you know, Kazuchi Okada versus William Ospreay. Two of the arguable best wrestlers on the planet right now. And you don't have to say either of them are the best wrestler on the planet, but you can't deny that they should both be in the conversation because they're both fucking phenomenal. And we're going to put them in a ring without a time limit in a main event of a New Japan show. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Like I said on commentary too, Osprey next Wednesday is wrestling on Dynamite against the Death Triangle Vasi Open, like right after the G1 final. That's that's pretty nuts. Like if it weren't me, I'd be like, dude, I need like a week or two off just to like recuperate after all this shit. Fuck and that. I'm, I'm taking a month off. Well, and I also like how they put over on commentary, like he's not gonna be able to wrestle very long. Like he's like setting himself up for a short career, but like what he is trying to do is build his legacy as quick as possible, become one of the greatest of all time in this business. And it's like 
that's a hundred percent fact. Yeah. Like that's not that's not kayfabe. That's exactly what he's doing. He may be a dickhead, but like he's good at wrestling, and he knows that like his time is limited, so he's gonna it's gonna make it worthwhile. He's gonna get the most out of the time he is given, just like all the rest of us should. But yeah, no. The other thing is the fact that he's going to wrestle in this AEW trios tournament. You know he's gonna wrestle more than just this one match. Probably gonna win that you know opening round contest. And then he'll probably do some other matches for AEW. In the olden days, and by olden days, I mean, you know, just a few years ago, pre-pandemic, right after G1 was World Tag League. So that meant almost every main eventer who competed in G1 action took like two months off. Like, that's what you did. You competed in G1, and it was a grueling, you know, nine-match thing that you had to do in the span of like a month. But then you got like two and a half months off. Because World Tag League happened, and no one cared. William Ospreay's going, no, no, I'm going to wrestle the G1, then I'm going to go wrestle in the AEW Trios tournament, and then I'm going to go back to the UK and defend the Rev Pro title because the end of the year is always a big Rev Pro show as well. So no time off for Billy the Goat. No, 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 but that's okay. I enjoy watching him wrestle. I've enjoyed watching him wrestle for better part of a decade now crazy but yeah it's wild how long that we have been watching remember when we first started watching wrestling and he was like a boy he wasn't even like a man yet and now look at him (laughs) we watched him we watched him grow up though like for real like not trying to make it funny but it's 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 crazy same with like tyler Bate too i was just thinking that because he came back on nxt last night like to the main nxt not just uk and it's like, I remember when he was 18 years old wrestling for uh, What Culture for Wrestling. And like, yeah, it's crazy. We watch these kids grow up. We're old. Yeah. Yeah, we're not young, Diesel. I mean, we were kind of young when we started watching these guys wrestle. But at this point, we sure as fuck ain't young. No, definitely not. No. Uh, But yes, make sure you tune in next week. We will give our review of the finals match. Hell, maybe we'll watch some more of the show than just the actual finals because the G1, the final night of the G1 usually does set up some storylines for the rest of the year. So maybe we'll talk about the whole show. We'll see what our time frame is. I mean, well, we'll need something to talk about because I don't know. Like what else we'll be talking about. (laughs) I don't know what else is going on. The golden goose of G1 action and content has officially dried up. We got one more week of it, folks. And then, then we can talk about All Out, because that's the weekend after. Yeah, and we can uh, cover all of the wonderful trailers that came out from Comic-Con and everything else that we haven't talked about yet, because, man, Marvel Universe, just like the pro wrestling universe, is off the fucking chain, folks. Yes, I am excited. Speaking of Marvel, I saw Thor last week, finally, so yeah. Yeah, finally. well, maybe maybe next week we'll uh, finally do a review of Thor. And maybe talk about Doctor Strange as well, since I don't think we ever talked about that one either. I don't remember if we did. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if we did. Well, at this point, let's stop talking about next week's show and wrap this one up so that by next week we know what we're talking about. So, monkeys in the back. Hit that sound effect. All right, as always and forever.
That sound effect means it's time for final thoughts. So, Diesel, what have you for us this week? Um, this week, I also just recently finished the season three of The Boys, too. So that's also something that we can talk about. Woo! It's hard having a kid and trying to keep up with every fucking thing. But uh, I'm, I'm making it work the best I can. Uh, what else? I'm still a buzz from last night from seeing Hamilton. Like I have so many Hamilton songs stuck in my head all at the same time. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, this weekend, we got going on. We got ICW Milwaukee back to Lapika. I am so excited. They have a show Friday night, too, that unfortunately we're not going to be able to make. But uh, we're not going to miss that Lapika show. No. I don't fucking know. We're front row. Like old times. I'm so excited. I hope that place hasn't changed a bit. And I doubt that it has. So, yes, I'm so excited. The I swear to God, if they launch. fix that light, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I don't know. But it's all right. We're hanging out with Tom beforehand, finishing up our uh, Ring of Honor review. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be a great Sunday. Um, hopefully the weather's nice. If it's not, I won't be surprised. We're going to be in that sweat box of Lapika, but they'll all be worth it. Like It's going to be a memorable day. Yeah. Good to see Marcus Crane get inducted into the ICW Milwaukee Hall of Fame. Very legitimate induction. Man, lost too soon, obviously. I hope that just I don't know. I don't I can't see it not being a good time just because, you know I hope I hope Melissa is the ring announcer again. Like have that old time feel of ICW. Yeah. I hope it's not JP. I also hope that JP did wish me a happy birthday though. So that was oh, nice that was nice of him. I really hope that uh Oren busts out the devil's big red dick and that they yeah. like we just Need to see it one more time, especially at the Marks Crane Hall of Fame show. Oh, I'm so glad that Oren's going to be there, too, because he's not around anymore. We get a rematch of the Insane A final as well, which that match was a banger. And seeing it in La Pica, I guarantee you it's going to be better. I don't care if they don't have that trampoline. I don't care what it's going to be better. Yeah. Like they're going to bust out the Legos. Like that's something that I've missed lately is the Legos. Um, just, just no chili powder, please. I'm just gonna inhale all the light tube dust. It's gonna be so great. My lungs have missed it. Oh, all that deadly poisonous chemicals. Mm, can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, that's all I really got for final thoughts. Uh, besides, excited to finish up the G12. Like it's been, it's been a long ride, but it's been a fun ride, and like. I'm I'm proud of myself that I kept up because there's been years where like I've fallen behind and like, I'll be like six or seven nights behind and it's like dude I can't catch up. Yeah, no, I'm proud of both of us for keeping up this year. We said we would and we did, and we're now at the finish line. We got one more night of G1 action. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Accomplished, baby. But yeah, besides that, for my final thoughts, it is my birthday this weekend on Saturday. So I will be turning the big three, five, and I will fix the Bermuda triangle. That is diesel and I being the same age for a few days. And uh, yeah, sans that my wife is out of town this weekend at a bachelorette party. So my mom is babysitting Cooper basically the entire weekend. So I'm semi-free 
because when my mom's babysitting, that means that she just wants to do everything because this is her first grandchild and she's insane. So I can just do whatever I want for the whole weekend and got to work. But besides that, probably have a few cocktails, play some video games. And then, yeah, Sunday, hanging out with the boys and going to La Pica. Can't wait. Going to be an absolutely great weekend. So excited for the end of the G1. And yeah, I don't really have anything else. Yeah, I guess I do have one more thing. Uh, the best thing about like my birthday was Benji stayed the night at my parents. So I actually got to like sleep through the entire night. Emily got to sleep through the entire night too. And like got to sleep in a little later too. I got to sleep past seven. It was nice. Tell me you're a parent without telling me you're a parent. Right. <laughs> All right, though. On that note, Diesel, why don't you do some social media stuff so we can get on out of here? You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad's underscore mine or at VFTR2PO. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View from the Top Rope Official. We're on YouTube at View from the Top Rope. Of View from Top Rope at gmail.com is our email address. Follow us. Follow Visionaries Global Media on Twitter at Viz Global Media. Visionaries Global Media at gmail.com is where you'll want to send in your podcast to get reviewed and get accepted by me to be added to the network with all our other great podcasts where you'll be heard on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podknife, and Potable. And just so, so many others. Big shout out for Diesel for getting through that ending without fucking up this week. Quite proud of you, buddy. It's pretty smooth. That's pretty smooth. But as always, we thank you all for listening to this madness that we call a podcast. Hopefully we've gotten you through that boring workday, that workout we're so proud of you for finishing, or whatever else you happen to be doing while you are listening to our dulcet tones. As always, remember to please like, comment, share, subscribe, review, up, or whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on has so that we can reach more and more ears. Make sure, because you know what? We want more people to hear us. We want more people to talk to. It's fun. Follow us on social media. We're interesting guys. We'll chat with you on there too. Go to our Discord. There's links out there. And uh, sans that, remember to always be kind to each other out there. We're all just humans trying to survive on this spinning blue orb that we call Earth. So don't be a dick to each other. I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. This was VFTR 2.0. Always remember to climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0. 2.0.